And so the question is, which of those categories is this Asbury revival going to fall into? Is it going to be like the first Great Awakening, which was, in my judgment, a true, spontaneous, supernatural work of the Lord? Or is it going to be like the second Great Awakening that is much more man-centered, that is much more planned out, that is much more mechanical, but doesn't necessarily have God's supernatural work at the center of it? Hello everybody and welcome back to Grace Nerd. In this episode, I wanted to briefly talk about the revival that is going on over at Asbury University and give a few thoughts as to whether or not it's a legitimate move of God or whether we should be optimistic or whether we should be pessimistic and question it. Let's go ahead and get started on that. So from what I've heard, what's basically going on at Asbury is that they were basically holding their normal chapel services and apparently there was suddenly a beginning of some spontaneous confession of of sin and an apparent outpouring of the Holy Spirit where they began to seek the presence of the Lord and worship him. And this basically began a multi-day long worship service, basically. And I guess it's basically been going constantly for days now. Last I heard, it still had not come to an end. And basically it's gotten to a point that people are coming to visit Asbury from around the country to see what's going on. Now, I've waited a little bit before I've commented on this, and I've looked around YouTube and looked around at different commentators, and there's something of a divide as to how we should feel about this. I'll be honest, I haven't seen any strong condemnations of what's going on, or accusations of heresy, or accusations of a false revival or anything like that, but I do see sort of a cautious optimism on one side and a cautious pessimism on the other side. And I think a lot of this difference does come down to the denominational background of the people commenting. On one side, you tend to have some reform types and cessationists who are a little bit more skeptical of charismatic outpourings. But even people I see commenting on this side, none of them are giving an outright condemnation of what's going on. A lot of them are, again, cautiously pessimistic. They give some of their warnings about extreme emotionalism and things like that that they've seen in the past, and they caution their viewers and tell them about what could go wrong, but they ultimately don't come down with any definitive judgment on the matter. And then on the other side, you tend to have some Wesleyan and charismatic types. From what I understand, Asbury is a Wesleyan university, and so this would make some sense. But obviously, you're going to have a little bit more openness to this sort of thing from the charismatic crowd. I feel like I fall kind of in a unique position when it comes to this issue because I was raised basically Wesleyan and charismatic, and I eventually shifted a lot of my thinking over to the reformed side of things. However, I never did become a cessationist. I continued to hold to a belief in the charismatic gifts and the continuation of the revelatory outpourings of the Holy Spirit and gifts like prophecy and tongues and things like that. And I still have a desire to see what is often called revival in our country. So what have people actually been saying about the specifics of this outpouring? Well, on the more positive side, from the people who are more sympathetic to what's going on, people who hold to the more Wesleyan and charismatic view of things, they're pointing out some things that really definitely seem to be positive. They're saying that unlike a lot of quote-unquote revivals in the past, there really isn't any kind of celebrity culture going on. There's no one individual that this revival is all about. It's really just some basic continuous worship music going on, people coming and praising and worshiping the Lord. There's been confession of sins and apparently some charismatic and revelatory gifts being practiced as things have been going on. 
But from the look of things, there doesn't seem to be any sort of obsession with the supernatural or going off into wild places and heresy and things like that. On the more skeptical side, there have been some things pointed out. One significant event, I guess, is that Todd Bentley showed up. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of who Todd Bentley is, but he was sort of at the center of a very widely publicized revival. I personally don't even remember what the name of the revival was. But in that movement, there was most definitely a very strong emphasis on the supernatural to the point of, I would say, uh, obsession with the supernatural to the point that that's all anyone really talked about during that outpouring, quote unquote outpouring. And it turned out that Todd Bentley was actually living in immorality throughout much of that. And he ended up committing adultery. He ended up leaving his wife, marrying another woman. And unfortunately, he was very quickly restored without any true evidence of repentance from what I understand. But that being said, people have rightly pointed out that just the fact that he showed up at a specific revival meeting doesn't mean that he is, you know, approved of by those who are running the thing, those who are overseeing it. From what I understand, there, you know, aren't any, you know, seats reserved up front for celebrity pastors who might show up. Basically, you know, people have to go and wait in the back if they show up and they have to just observe just like everyone else. Now, another thing that some have pointed out is that apparently Asbury, much like many Wesleyan schools, they are very much steeped in revival tradition. And so it very well may be that elements of what is going on right now were planned. And that calls into question whether or not this is truly a supernatural outpouring of God. Perhaps it was just something that was manufactured and, again, planned all along. But again, from the look of things, a lot of people are talking like at least the level that this has reached in its intensity and in its unusual nature, uh, apparently it really has taken on a life of its own. And so while I'm open to believing that, you know, certain aspects of this may have been very much part of the semester plans and things like that, it looks like the Lord really seems to have taken the lead here and caused people to really desire to continue to pursue him, continue to worship him. And again, there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. Another fear that I've heard some express is that Christians who become involved in this may begin to somehow form a theology where we center God's presence in one place, sort of returning to an Old Testament theology where there is the holy of holies and people need to go to this place to worship and that's where God's presence is felt most deeply. Personally, I don't find this to be a terrible concern. I think that when God does pour out his presence in a particular way, in a particular point in history that then spreads to a wider and wider place, it's going to start in one specific geographical location, most likely. The question is whether or not people begin to cling to that and somehow begin to attach God to that location after the fact. But the fact that people are coming from far and wide to see what's happening, I don't necessarily think that that has widespread theological application per se. We really just have to wait and see and continue simply to be careful about how our mind organizes this kind of thing and theologically interprets it. And so all I can say at this point is that while I would like to be optimistic and I'm willing to continue to be optimistic until I know more, we really do need to withhold judgment until we see what the outcome of this really is in the long term. But that being said, I do think that there are some categories that I can offer and some questions I can recommend that we can use to sort of think about this as we observe and as we wait to see what happens. So I think first we need to ask, what exactly is revival? As far as I can tell, it's not a biblical term per se. That's not saying much one way or the other really. After all, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but it's just sort of a summary term that puts together all that the Bible says about the nature and the being of God. I think that revival can be a biblical concept so long as we're deriving our thoughts about it from the text of scripture and not just from our human traditions. We do definitely see moves of the Holy Spirit, for example, 
example in the book of Acts where many people are saved all at once and many numbers are added to the church and God's church grows and people are radically saved. That's definitely a biblical concept. We also see for people who are already saved, there are fresh outpourings of the Holy Spirit where people are given boldness and they're recentered on God and they're basically empowered for future ministry and empowered for greater walk in the Christian life. We definitely see that in scripture. And if that's what we mean by revival, I think it's biblical. We also see these things in church history. Here in America, we see the first great awakening with people like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and John Wesley. I'm pretty biased theologically in having a favorable view of the first great awakening as Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield. These are some of my favorite writers from that time period, and I've learned a lot from them. But even if you don't lean in a reformed direction like I do, John Wesley was involved in the first great awakening as well, and Asbury University very much stands on his shoulders in their traditions. However, we also have the second great awakening, and perhaps in your tradition you may have been taught to have a very favorable view of Charles Finney, who was very much at the center of the second great awakening. But personally, I'm much more skeptical and much more critical of his theology. He very much took the supernatural elements out of revival and basically saw it as something that we could produce purely by human means. If you look into his systematic theology, you also see him rejecting very basic and foundational elements of the gospel, in my opinion. However, there was an apparent strong change in the culture that surrounded him. And so people often look back on his ministry and his revival services and his traditions, and they have a very favorable view, but they don't even necessarily have a strong understanding of what he actually taught. But all that being said, uh, Charles Finney is where we get a lot of traditions like, for instance, the altar call. And I would say his thinking is very much where we get this kind of idea where we can plan in some sort of mechanical way a revival service, rather than describing something that we're observing happening spontaneously as a supernatural work of God, we often will say things like, well, we're going to plan ourselves a revival service next week, so I hope you show up. And so the question is, which of those categories is this Asbury revival going to fall into? Is it going to be like the first great awakening, which was, in my judgment, a true spontaneous supernatural work of the Lord? Or is it going to be like the second great awakening that is much more man-centered, that is much more planned out, that is much more mechanical, but doesn't necessarily have God's supernatural work at the center of it. So again, in the end, I'm feeling much more inclined to be optimistic about this. I love my Wesleyan brothers and sisters in Christ, and I hope that the Lord moves there and does give them a renewed passion for the glory of God, and I hope it has long-term effects on the university and on the surrounding community there. I hope that Christians are renewed in their zeal and renewed in their passion for the glory of God, and I hope that there are people who come to know the Lord for the first time. And so as we look at the after effects, there's a few questions we can ask. When we look at people who have just come to faith or claim to have just come to faith, what is the gospel that they have come to faith in? What is their basic theological profession? Do they hold to a true and sound gospel of the life and death and burial and resurrection of Christ and justification by grace alone through faith alone? And afterwards, do they have a passion for holiness and following the Lord, or do they basically stubbornly maintain a ultimately secular view of the world and of sin and righteousness sort of coded in a 
fake sort of spiritual veneer? Or for people who are already saved and involved in this revival, do we see a renewed zeal for the glory of God for them? Do we see God's glory at the center or is it going to become celebrity driven in some way? Or is it going to be ultimately centered on a craving for supernatural manifestations? Again, I still am a charismatic and I believe in the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit and I hope it does happen in this revival. But is that going to end up being the ultimate center of the revival, craving and chasing after these things? Or is the glory of God and the gospel going to remain at the center of it? Again, I'm not claiming one way or the other which way it's going to go or where it is right now. I'm not present there. I'm just hearing things through the grapevine. I'm watching different commentators weigh things on YouTube and on the internet. But those are sort of the categories that I'm thinking in. And I hope that you found them helpful. So if you did, make sure that you leave a like and subscribe if you're new to the channel. If you've discovered the channel in audio form, make sure that you follow wherever you are. And make sure you hit that notification bell so that you know when new uploads or live streams happen. My name is Eric, this is Grace Nerd, and I hope to see you around in the next one. Thank you so much for watching.